Hello, I'm Eugene Bach. This podcast that you're about to listen to is a very powerful podcast. However, unfortunately, as it happens from time to time, when you are doing podcasts with individuals connected by phone, reception doesn't come through very clear. So because of technical difficulties, there will be some parts of this podcast that will be extremely difficult to listen to. But I beg, please hang in there. This is a really powerful testimony from a believer that I have just become associated with. His name is Yesu Padam, and he is from India. He had an amazing testimony from when he was a young child and became a member of the Communist Party. And as a member of the Communist Party in India, he started to study the Bible to prove it wrong so that he could teach followers of communism in China all of the inaccuracies of the Bible. And as a communist, he has an amazing vision of Jesus Christ himself. I want him to tell the story himself and you to hear it directly from him. But I warn you, this podcast does have some difficult parts where it's not easy to make out what this dear brother is saying. But the parts that you can understand, I promise you, you will not regret listening to this podcast. Be blessed. Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. This morning, I have a very special guest that I'm really excited about learning more about. I'm going to be learning together with you as the audience today because I heard a little bit about an amazing story of a man from India uh, from a good friend of mine. He's actually been a guest on our podcast many years ago. His name is Pastor Pitts. Uh, from the East Coast in the United States, right outside the D.C. area in Fairfax County. And I wrote to Pastor Pitts and I said, this, is, this sounds like an amazing testimony. Do you think this brother would be willing to come on the Back to Jerusalem podcast? So he connected me and today we have a treat for you because he said that he is willing to come on. Uh, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, uh, I, I don't, do I call you pastor? Do I call you brother? Uh, Yesu Paradam. <laughs> Tell me, what is, the, what is the proper greetings for a, for a brother like you? <laughs> brother, okay, excellent. Now I feel like I'm, I'm back in China. Everybody goes by brother. Nobody goes by any other titles. <laughs> we are neighbors. Say that we are neighbors. I'm sorry, can you say it again? We are neighbors. Amen. Yes. We use the word brother. Yes. Amen. So um, I am calling you. You are actually in uh, Germany this morning. And I would love to ask you before we jump in, could you just give an, an introduction to, to yourself for our audience? Yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm from India, as you already mentioned, and uh, uh, India is a big country with a lot of people, second highly populated country in the world. And, uh, it's uh, uh, born into an untouchable community. A lot of people pain, suffering, hurt, rejection. Everything you can ever think of it, and then uh, went into that uh, because of uh, the hurt that I went through. And one of the community leaders spoke to me about the communism. He said two things. He said many things, but two things I remember very well till today. He said there is no caste system in the communism. He said if you become a communist, we shall all be called as comrades. Number two, he said, there is no rich and poor difference. And those two things really was what I was looking for. At the age of 11, I signed with my blood. I took a blade, cut my finger. I wrote my name with my blood on a piece of white paper, making a blood covenant to be a lifetime communist, to bring a social revolution in the nation of India with a desire of giving a hope to my untouchable community. Untouchability is the worst thing anybody can ever think of it. You cannot play with other children, you cannot live with the other children. We have our own um, communities away from all the rich people. We are basically sell the rich. Like I don't want to use the word slavery, but worse than that. So coming from there at the age of 11, uh, 16 actually, and was a symbol of no money to take her to the hospital, left her to die in my hut, one room hut, with the five children, mom and dad, seven of them. They all used to sleep on the floor. When it rained, rain, it used to rain inside the house. You cannot even sleep on the floor. But that mom, that very loving mom, mom is a mom, and that mom was sick, suffering day and night with pain. And I watched my mom when I was 16, dying in my heart, where I saw Brother Eugene, no hope for my life. I attempted twice to kill myself. But again, this communist leader came to me, and he said, that's not a good thing to do. You must prove killing yourself. He says, use the word in, in my language. I don't know what he said in this. That's like a, that's a, that's like a, that's like a right thing. He said, you must prove yourself that you are a man. You must be respected in an Indian society. And he said, you must fight for your right. And so I went into gangs, really, literally fighting. And then the uh, blood of many people, and uh, I, that's what I wanted to do with all my life, the rest of my life. But my dad, Reverend uh, Eugene, became a Christian before I was born. We are missionary all the way from Canada. Uh, uh, Brother Yesu Padam, would it be possible for, uh, for some reason, we are losing your voice a little bit. Are, is, are you close to the microphone of your phone? Okay, yes, I'm using my phone. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're calling on the phone. It sounds like we're having a little bit of difficulties. It doesn't sound like a connection problem. I'm not sure, but if uh, when you talk, if you would be closer to the phone, we might be able to hear you a little better. This is a really powerful testimony. And I think it's it's it, if we can try to get as as much of it as possible on the on, by the microphone, that would be perfect. Okay, I will keep it close to my mouth. Can that sounds mouth? really good. Now you sound good. <laughs> now you now and now there is power in the blood, brother. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, doing that, my dad before I was born. Heard the gospel first time in his life. He was the first convert from the, our untouchable community. The Baptist missionary all the way from Canada came to talk to my father about Jesus. And as he was sharing the gospel, it is the power of God as the salvation. Father in heaven opened the heart of my dad. Poor dad, not knowing what he was getting into, he gave his heart to the Lord. And his own family disowned him. His community uh, excommunicated him. He was physically beaten up. Poor daddy. But he never gave up on Jesus because Jesus is not an, another religion to him. He's the relationship with God. So I came along. That's why my name. He gave me my name, which I never changed it. Jesus foot. That's the meaning of my name. His desire was, I must be the foot of Jesus, walking in the streets of India, proclaiming this glorious gospel. But I hated it, because he always told me three things as I was growing up. Number one, he said, son, Jesus loves you. Number two, he said, we die for you. Number three, he said, you must serve him. That, uh, as I was growing up, being a communist already at the age of 11, I started thinking to myself, if Jesus loves me, where is the sign for his love in my life? Hurt, pain, suffering, even losing my loving mom. Is it a sign of Jesus' love in my life? It made no sense to me, brother, whatsoever. Uh, can I, can I ask you a question? Um, when, when, you were, when you were active with communism, was communism becoming popular at that time at all in India? Were, were you a part of just a very small segment, or was this a growing thing in India? In the 60s, it was really growing. And uh, it, it's one of the major political parties even now in India. And uh, even some of the states were ruled by the Communist Party. Oh, wow. Because I know that, you know, you're talking about the 60s, the 50s, the 60s. There was so much movement in Asia when it comes to communism. So, I mean, we saw Laos and Cambodia, Vietnam, China, North Korea, all of these states began to follow Marxist theory, communism, but I've never really heard about communism so much in India. So this is a really interesting perspective. I do know that there have been Maoist revolutions in Nepal, just north of India, but I did not know that it was, it was a growing political popular feature in India in the 1960s and 70s. Yeah, it was very powerful. And also, actually, part of faith is the Maoist. 
we call in India naturalites. It started in natural barry. And this is the extreme communist group that go underground to fight against the rich people are also government. I was a part of that group during that time. And uh, wow. so, yeah, but my dad, his heart for me, he was very disappointed. But uh, Brother Vijay, very, very disappointed. You know what? But he never gave up on my life. Every time he saw me, um, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You must love him. What an amazing dad. And so when I was 23 and a half, something amazing happened. You know, I read Bible as a communist to prove that Bible is wrong. And I converted some of the untouchable youth, which are Christians already, to be the communists, and I trained them for gang. Because, you know, poverty is one of the things that the communists use to attract the youth towards communism. So, missionaries also, when they went to India early years, they went to the lowest of the lowest class to share the good news of Jesus, establishing the schools and the hospitals. So many Christians in India are from the low caste. That's why when a high caste people want to hear the gospel, they say this belongs to the low caste, not to the high caste. So Jesus basically considers as a, a low caste man in India as far as Christianity is concerned. So okay. I try to reconvert the Christian, untouchable Christian youth to the communities. But brother, Jesus is Jesus. Though I read Bible to prove Bible is wrong, I tried my best to convert the untouchable young people to the communities. But when I was 23 and a half, that's where I'm coming from. I was sitting in a chair, looked towards the sky, very far in the sky. I saw the shape of a man hanging on the cross. I thought of, the first thought that came to my mind is, it should be Jesus. Because I know the story, I read the story, though I never believed it. And as I was thinking it could be Jesus, my communist brain started telling me, no, that's my imagination. There's no Jesus. But as I was watching, there's a battle literally between, between my eyes and my brain. But Jesus is so amazing, brother. He did not leave me in confusion. As if somebody zoomed a lens, I saw his hand clearly with five fingers. And I saw the nailing in his hand and the blood drop after drop coming down from the name torn hand of my Savior. And I saw that it did something to me. that I started believing it's a Jesus. I didn't see his face. So it was just a shame. But the hand is very clear to my surprise, Brother Eugene. Wow, that's a very powerful testimony. I mean, so you were a, you were a communist 
you picked up a Bible and basically had been reading the Bible to prove it wrong. And then you have this amazing supernatural vision where you see a man hanging on the cross with blood falling down from his nail pierced hands. I want to just back up because you say something very interesting. I, I, this, this is a very powerful testimony. And I think one that is very, um, relating to us even today, you know, there, when you said that as an untouchable, the idea of communism and equality and everybody being an equal comrade very much appealed to you. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think that the, because that is this, that is the case right now. As I, as I look at the West, there are many young people that are attracted to uh, communism and communism teaches atheism. Karl Marx said that the two are inseparable, uh, atheism and communism. And so there are many young people that are gravitating towards communism because they believe that it promotes equality. It, they believe that it promotes uh, the rights for the minority. Uh, what did you find in the, in, in the Bible when it comes to equality of, as an untouchable? What, what made the two different in your eyes? Because they're both, they're, they're both kind of promoting this idea of equality, right? So I'm just curious, from somebody like you, who was both a communist and now today a Christian, what, what is the difference in, in what, what the, the value that Christ brings to your life versus the value that communism brings to your life? Oh, brother, what a question you asked me. Amazing person. Communism is a deception. They just say, but actually, in reality, there is no equality. All the leadership of the Communist Party in India are from the high caste. All the workers, the people that suffer, are the poor people. Can can I just stop? Can I just stop you there for a second? Because what you said is very interesting. You said all of the communist leaders are from the high class. When I look at those that are promoting communism in the West, they also come from the high class, the the wealthy, the best education, the best schools. Um, (laughs) So that is a very interesting connection. Please continue. I just had to point that out because that made me laugh a minute for a minute (laughs) because it's so similar as in the West. And then, when, when I became a Christian that day, when I had that uh, vision of Christ, I, I heard an audible voice, like you hear my voice, and I hear your voice. You didn't call me an alcoholic, or a gang leader, or a murderer. He called me son. And he said, son, I did all this for me. What did you do for me? Here, it's a relationship. Somebody calling me a son, a bad boy, a bad for police, a bad for community. Everybody hating me. And here is Jesus. Jesus who's calling me son. There is equality. It is so clear. He calls me a son. And then for you to call me a brother, I, I never met you. And the people I meet, it, it is so different. This is relational. This is so clear to me. 
And then, actually, amazing, my wife sitting by my side with a white Canadian, with a German parent, who moved to Germany for a think of equality. I cannot even speak with other students in high school in India. And I have a wife, a white girl from Canada because of Jesus. When you think of what Jesus can do, I mean, there, I don't know how to compare it. There's no comparison between deception of the communism and the reality of Jesus with relationship with the, not only the creator of the universe, whom I can call him dad, and Jesus calling me son, and people like you calling me brother. How can anybody can, uh, can miss this reality, the equality? I can go to any country, I travel to 55 plus countries, and I met many people, they all call me brother, they call me sometimes a sexually pastor or a doctor, and all this, but there's a relationship here. That's the big difference. I found myself as an equally treated human being, irrespective of my color, my background, or my language, or my country. It's a big family of God. This is relationally um, uh, impacted me. This, this is so powerful. Your testimony is so relevant for today, especially for so many young people that are looking for equality. And so many have been deceived into communism. Of course, I've lived for the last 20 years in China, and the last thing that I see is equality. And that and and so you, I believe that what you are sharing about the deception is so relevant today. And then also comparing that with the truth of Christ and the 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 equality that He brings to all of His people that we were all created in His image. And so I think that is such a powerful testimony. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, I would like to move. There's a little bit more to your testimony that that I read just briefly. That shortly after you became a believer, you ended up you found yourself in the Middle East in Iraq, baptizing people uh, underground. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, after I met Jesus, my first thought was, how can anybody miss this reality of Jesus? Especially being an Indian, my people are great people, brother. Indians are good people, brother. They, are, they want God. They are looking for God because they don't know who is true and living God. They are worshiping 330 million so-called gods and goddesses. They are so devoted even to the point they sacrifice their own children to these idols in the rivers. That broke my heart. And I started, I got up from the chair where I had this vision, went to the street corner, clapping and calling people, telling them that Jesus to God believe in Jesus. Literally, many people thought I lost my mind. And then, oh, but God is so faithful. I went to many places and baptized people. I went, the Lord took me to Iraq in 1979. 
because I was not allowed to go there as a missionary, I went there to work for the government of Iraq, the health ministry. But I was an undercover missionary there during Saddam Hussein, President Saddam Hussein time. I was there for the previous eight months. During that time, it was scary, <laughs> difficult time, but God proved in my life that nothing is impossible to him. And I could be able to build a friendship with the people there, Iraqis. There are also doctors from Egypt, some medical staff from Philippines, like me working there. I had a privilege of sharing the gospel with them and baptizing them in three years, eight months. I started three underground churches there. Wow. One in one in Karbala, where I was working for a hospital there, which is a very religious place. And number two in Hillel, which is actually Babylon. And number three is in, in, in India. India. All these three places, I started three underground chapters. And it was Friday, not Sunday is holiday. Yeah, Friday is a holiday. I used to run three services every Friday. What an amazing opportunity that God gave me, brother. That is, a, that is a really amazing testimony. I mean, this is, you know, in the early days, like you said, under Saddam Hussein, that was extremely dangerous. Uh, we have been working in Iraq and, and planting churches in Iraq for several years, but it has it is it is much safer today to do that than what it was during the time that you were there. That was um, that that's an amazing testimony. But today you have a ministry called Love and Care Ministries. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, in 1988 August. Uh, there ought to be a vision of two hands holding the globe. And across the globe, I read English word, Jesus cares. Actually, love and care came from Jesus cares. Instead of Jesus, I put love. And I registered this organization in with the government of India and the government of Andhra Pradesh, which is my case. And with the desire of preaching gospel, making disciples, Last 13 years, by God's grace, we planted over 7,000 churches and we trained over 3,000 pastors, church planters. And then, you know, we built a, a hospital to help moms like my mom. We trained nurses. We have a training school, training nurses. We get students from all over India. And this is for me, training medical missionaries and sending them there were some of them working in different other nations also. And I started what we called a children home, like orphanages. Because when I was, uh, when I was, the way I was grew up, with, I grew up with no food two, three days in a week. Even to the point I used to paint at the middle of the road. As a communist, I could not help any one of the children. But as a Christian, so far by God's grace, we hosted 5,000 children. They come to us, they live with us, we provide them food and accommodation, and I started Christian schools, and we have the whole community of Hindus and the Muslims also send their children to our school. We have the freedom to share the gospel with them, and so we work with the 
disabled, poorly affected disabled and adults, training them in computers, tailoring and printing press, and to give them a hope so that they can stand on their own and uh, they can you know, make their own living. And many of them, they are poorly affected, they can't walk, some has no uh, hands, but they all learn this. Them when they leave us, they leave us as Christians. The sharing gospel by any means, whatever their fault says, by all means saves. Um, so this is the situations where people come to us. And so we have done so many things, reached to millions of people by God's grace. And uh, uh, but, but the main thing is gospel. I, I really love this. You know, according to the website that I'm looking at right now, I think that you have really put it clear here to just share with the audience. It says, with the word of the Lord to penetrate into the communities in order to meet the spiritual and physical needs of the people. The ministry began taking in the poor and suffering children, caring for the elderly and training disabled polio affected young adults in various vocations. Love and Care Ministries also constructed a 25-bed hospital and began a nursing school while regularly conducting free medical outreaches into poor villages. In addition, they facilitate computer, printing, tailoring, training, printing, literature, and recording music, evangelism, crusades, and pastors' conferences, flood and disaster relief, starting small businesses, and working with HIV-positive families. This is such an amazing ministry. I thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Brother, uh, if people want to hear more about you or they want to follow your ministry, where can they get more information? Thank you. Bye-bye. He needs his wife to help with that one. Okay, great. So we bring in the backup, (laughs) the big guns. Thank you. Um, we have a website at www.lncministries.org. We're also on Facebook, Love and Care Ministries International. We also have a YouTube channel, Love and Care Ministries International. And we're on Instagram, Love and Care Ministries. So in different ways, they and they can also um, contact us. There's an email address on the website. Okay, excellent. So we have uh, lncministries.org. You can also look them up on Google, Love and Care Ministries. It will take you to their website. They also have uh, their Love and Care Ministries on Facebook, Instagram. They also have a YouTube channel. And if you go to their website, they have a contact page that gives you an, in, in, a contact for India as well as the U.S., Canada, Germany, South Korea, and Madagascar. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. It has been a real pleasure having you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Eugene. Okay. God bless you. Okay. Bye-bye. God bless you, too. And I want to thank you for downloading another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless you.